So on today's episode, our guest is someone I met um, at one of my events I was hosting in Portacot. He offered to take pictures for the event and that was how, I think we stayed talking for them, but I think that was like our first physical meeting and since then we've kept in touch. So when the case study of today came up, we had a bit of a conversation on one of my groups and then in my private message or my dm rather and you know i invited him to be a guest to give us an insider's view from a photographer's perspective and now this case i'm talking about is the worker now case so he proposed the worker now case and i added two more cases which you will find out later in the episode IP 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 Welcome to IP series home to all things IP related where I give you the stories tips and implications to business and creative decision concerning your intangible assets with real life case study I am your host Rita Henri Chinda subscribe and turn on your notification so you don't miss an episode Cheers guys if you're a photographer that wish to protect your creative work from being used without your permission or being paid in a form of compensation like we will see in our case study for today or you're just an internet user who wants to share and enjoy images online without worrying about legal issues if so you might be interested in listening to this conversation between abam and myself so we're going to explore a lot of controversial topic um but more from abans area and then i will share a very tiny minute detail doing a little bit of comparison between what is obtainable in the u.s and what is obtainable in nigeria all right can you introduce yourself tell us where you're based on what you do Okay, my name is Abam Mirako. I am a student of the Nigerian Law School, Lagos Campus. So I'm just I'm preparing for my bar final examinations. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure having you as well. Um, so... so in my introduction, I stated we'll be discussing three different photographic cases. The first is Abam's favorite, which is the Patrick Ikreme against Wakanao. The second is the Sun Girl case against Daily Newspaper. And the third is the Andy Warhol case, which is one of my favorite photographic cases that I have re- reviewed in the last three years. So let's get into it. So now that we've met Abba, I'm just going to tell you how this conversation got to this point. So I reached out to Abba in the DMs after we had a brief conversation on the entertainment and IP group for lawyers and enthusiasts based in Port Harcourt, and he agreed to be a guest on my podcast. So we're going to dive right into his most favorite case, which is the um, Patrick Ikreme against Wakanao, where 
Patrick the photographer sometime in July had alleged that Waka now um, infringed on his copyright by using the photograph he took of the Ofala Youth Carnival during the Otala Festival as Zeke found about without his consent, permission, and authorization. We understand the concept of CPA when it comes to intellectual property work. So Wakana had used that exact photograph, or the photograph in question, in their social media campaign ad on Twitter. Now, Patrick is demanding 50 million as compensation, whereas Wakana's response is that the photograph was an independent creative process the runabout is an official state symbol and therefore not eligible for copyright protection. They're also alleging that Mr. Patrick's statements were defamatory and are demanding twice the amount that Patrick had requested as compensation for the infringement. So, let's delve into this story about what are your views as someone who, you know, has been behind the lens before going to law school. The photographer who took a picture of the Zeke roundabout in Anambra State. So, uh, Wakana Yes, it was the Zeke roundabout comprising of the sky, the roundabout, and some persons who were like dancing. So I think it was during a festival, maybe. Yeah, but there were persons like kind of dancing. Yeah, the yeah, the Ophala Youth yes. Festival at Zikra Nisha and Nambraski. Okay, okay. Okay, so that was so then Wakana. Wakana being a travel company, they decided to do whatever they felt like doing. <laughs> By using the young man's the photographer's photo. Look at this case. Yeah, carry I'm listening to you. All right. So, so Waka now used the photographer's picture and they admitted using the picture because after using the picture, they are claiming that that photograph of the Zeke roundabout is not eligible for copyright protection under Section 3 of the Copyright Act. So 2022. So and they're also counterclaiming for defamation because the photographer has the photographer has um you know made some kind of public allegations against them, you know, which is causing their causing their their company to be in disrepute. So that is the facts of the case. So now we'll be looking at the whole, the whole, the whole um, issue boils down to the interpretation of the Copyright Act because, from what has transpired between the parties, we can we can see in their pleadings that there has been an admission of the use of the photograph. So the photographer doesn't really, he doesn't need to prove originality, or he doesn't need to prove all those you know, basic grounds for copyright protection. He doesn't need to prove those basic grounds. That's originality and fixation and so on, because there has already been an admission of use of the photograph. So now, what is for me the bone of contention is the interpretation of the Copyright Act, of which 
permits me to read the section of the Copyright Act, which you know the company being the defendants in these suits, they are they are they are placing heavy reliance on. So that section three of the Copyright Act provides that the following shall not be eligible for copyrights, ideas, procedures, processes, blah blah blah. Then now section three subparagraph C says that official state symbols and insignia, including flags, coat of arms, anthems, and banknote designs. So section three paragraph C of the Copyright Act saying that official state symbols and insignia, including flags, coat of arms, and official translations, anthems and banknote designs, they are not going to be eligible for copyrights. So the interpretation of this section now would, would uh, require some basic interpretation which every law student should know, you know, know those um, literal rule, golden rule, and so on and so forth. Mm. Those, all, those, all those basic things that we learned in legal method. So for me, I think the most applicable rule of interpretation, which would, which would be in the interest of justice for both parties, is the Jusdem Generis rule. The Jusdem Generis rule. And my reason for my reason for saying that is when you look at a, a proper understanding of the application of that rule, the Jusdem Generis rule is that where the interpretation of a particular word should be used based, it should be used in the generic sense to include those examples that have been given, you know, from the generic. So, so the generic words. So what I mean now is this. The Copyright Act is saying that official state symbols and insignia, that's the generic word, that's the general word, official state symbols and insignia. And the copyright has gone ahead to give examples that's things that fall under that category of official state symbols and insignia. So the copyright says that official state symbols and insignia, things like flags, coat of arms. The second issue that should be addressed after um, a after a destruction of that section three sub C of the Copyright Act 2022. The second issue now will be whether the Zik roundabout, which is the subject matter in this post, if that particular place is one which falls under an official state symbol and senior, going by the examples that have already been given, such as, uh, for example, arms. So can we can we place the Zik roundabout? The question now is. Can we place the Zik roundabout beside those examples that have been given in the Copyright Act, Section 3, Paragraph C? Can we say that the Zik roundabout comes under that section, that section of the law? And it's, 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 very, it's glaring that the Zik roundabout is not something that has a state or a national representation of the Anambra state government. Because the counterclaim of the defendants is that that Zik roundabout 
is an official state symbol of the Anambra state government. But that is not the case because what the Copyright Act, the intention of the legislature in enacting the Copyright Act, what they intended was not to just put or allow um, some any kind of public place to fall under an official state symbol because that official state symbol doesn't have anything that has to do with it. It doesn't have any, any connection with the Anabra, actually. It is merely a roundabout that was built by, I believe that should be the Nambia Zikiwe, um, maybe maybe the Nambia Zikiwe roundabout because the name is Zik. So Nambia Zikiwe. But from my own understanding of this, it doesn't come under that section 3 sub C. Yes. And now, my authority for saying this is when we look, when we make an international comparison between what is obtainable in, in foreign countries. Are you with me? Yes, I am. So if you look at the Eiffel Tower, I believe you know the Eiffel Tower, and you know, most times, uh, maybe you've dreamt of going there, or maybe you just chill under the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. Yes. So... The Eiffel Tower is one which they are copies over works that are made of the Eiffel Tower at night. So it is illegal for a picture of the Eiffel Tower at night. So that is a, that's it. because any picture that you take of the Eiffel Tower at night, they will not have copyright protection. And again, the Eiffel Tower is such that falls under the public domain, so nobody owns pictures that are created of the Eiffel Tower. So you can imagine how the the copyright laws of France have developed such that they can actually appropriate certain 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 artifacts to be owned by the governments. As opposed to the Zik roundabout in Anambra State, that roundabout is not is not a symbol of the state. It doesn't represent the state. If you look at the Zik roundabout, it can you can only say that okay, this is located in Anambra State. But the Anambra State government has not taken steps to appropriate that roundabout and clothe it against copyright protection because. This is what you find in California. In California, you see um, the color. There are so many. There are so many things that are that are like um, state symbols, state emblems in California. You see colors like you see colors like blue and orange. You see some colors of um, you see some pictures of people who are a, a particular type of dancing. Dancing has. You know, has been appropriated by the California government to be one that has that is an official state in California. So whenever you see people dancing in a particular style, you will know that that is that is attributable to the California, the state of California. So that this is how this is how this is how uh, copyright laws have developed when it comes to foreign states and the in the Anambra State Government and even the Copyright Act, Section 3 of C only covers for anything that has 
that is attributable to, you know, Nigerian states. Yes. And take, for instance, when you look at the 36 states, apart from the FCT, you look at the 36 states in, um, the, in Nigeria, you will notice that they have flags. They have, each state has its own flag. You see that the state of Lagos has flag. The state of the River State has its own. Anambra State has its own flag. Now, you see that these are what actually comes under that section three, paragraph C. So not the Zikran about as a place, no. And again, of this argument would be whether that Zikran about falls under public domain. So under intellectual property law, you not use you you see that there are certain works persons that actually fall under public domain. Shakespeare's works, such works that have lost their they've lost their copyright protection due to lapse of time. So those kind of works fall under public domain. So it means that those works are owned by the public. So anybody can make anything out of them and nobody's going to be infringed on anybody's intellectual property rights. And if the Zikran about was one which fell under, as a, as a place, it fell under the public domain, then a, taking a picture of the Zikran about would not vest any copyright protection on the photographer. But that is not the case because the Zikran about fall under public domain. Although it is a public place, but it does not necessarily fall under the public domain for nobody to have copyright protection over them because there are no laws that are specifically stating that such places fall under the public domain. So the work of the photographer taking a picture of the Zikran about is a clear case of, for me, the, the case is as clear as um, as uh, and the Warhol's case is <laughs> as clear as that because the photographer has all rights to that picture that he made. Yeah, and the defenders have already admitted that they used the picture. So it's left for the for, for them to, okay, it is not necessarily left for them to um, prove that it falls under state symbols because it is the defendants who are to prove. They are the ones asserting that um, that Zikran about is an official state symbol. So the onus is for them to discharge that burden of proof that the Zikran about is an official state symbol. And to do that is going to be difficult because that Zikran about is not a flag. It's not a banknote design. It doesn't, it's not an insignia of the, of the Anambra states at all. So I don't see, I don't see the argument having any headway respect to that uh, official state symbol thing. So what, what, do you, what do you think? For me, this is, this is my clear thoughts and this is how the case should go on in favor of the photographer. What do I think? I'm not, I'm not a judge now. I'm also, I'm also an enthusiast and a practitioner <laughs> of the field, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think you made very good 
um, arguments or comments regarding the case. Uh, I think the case for me is just for um, corporate bodies to know their boundaries when it comes to copyright infringement. What, um, what is that blood line um, that you, you don't really need to cross? Uh, do your proper due diligence. Make sure that whatever creative expression you decide to go after um, doesn't belong to someone else. And if it does eventually belong to another person, you don't have to do the needful by getting consent from the person, entering into a documented relationship in form of um, a licensing. It's a, either a sole licensing or an exclusive license would work. Um, but then coming up with a, an argument that um, because you think to your own mind and you know you haven't done your due diligence or consulted your lawyer, you feel that um, the work in question. And I think for Megan, like I stated initially, that they were focusing on something else. So maybe they were after the date symbol. But then the, the creative expression which um, Patrick Equipment had captured included the festival at the roundabout where the state symbol um, is situated, uh, and okay. also the the dancers themselves who were participating in the Ofala Youth Carnival. That's what that means from a creative aspect. That's what you're looking at. But what can okay. I say? Oh, they had like an independent creative process. So your independent creative process that you could come up with at the end of the day is. The state symbol, which you felt, oh, we're going to use this as our argument that it's a state symbol and it's not, it, nobody owns it, you are free to use it. Are you actually free to use a government owned property? Are there procedures that you need to, you know, comply with? Just like you said, use the Eiffel Tower example. I think a lot of people are now becoming more aware of um, what is expected of you if you decide to want to use the Eiffel Tower um, picture or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, it covers it. You now have to consider what will be the grounds for copyright infringement in the digital era post this case, and especially in light of the fact that we now have um, a new copyright act. I'm, I'm also going to encourage photographers or photography enthusiasts like yourself, um, corporate bodies who are into marketing and about advertising to also take their time to read what the law states about um, eligible works, economic rights, moral rights, um, the special provisions, etc, etc. So that's like my own, you know, contribution to this case. So let me also add this very controversial view from the US perspective. So you have what is called the Severed test, which is considered to be a legal doctrine that determines whether a website infringes the copyright of a photographer by displaying it on its page. It also goes to say that if a website does not store a copy of that photograph on its server, but instead links to or embeds it from another source, then it does not violate the photographer's display right. This test has been used by courts in the U.S. for several years, but it has also been challenged by photographers who feel 
that their rights are being ignored by a website. So I, I, so Twitter is like a social media platform. So I don't know if it will qualify as a website. I know they have a web version. So maybe this might also fall under that. So it goes for that to say that photographers who feel that their rights are being ignored by websites that display their works without their consent or payment. Now, the origin of this test, um, the origin of this test goes to show that some challenges that photographers may face, such as piracy and unauthorized use, lack of awareness and education from the people or the photographers who are not even aware that they have rights under the copyright law and how to enforce them, they may not even have to register their work. So currently under the Nigerian Copyright Act, you can voluntarily register your um, photograph, which is an eligible work. Um, the photography industry is a very, very highly competitive space. And with each year, you find out that there are new technologies, trends, and opportunities emerging constantly, such as the conversation around artificial intelligence, the generative works. Um, photographers now have to keep up with changes in demands and preference to their clients and audience, as well as the increasing number of computers who offer similar cheaper services. Then the legal and ethical angle to all this conversation is that photographers now have to deal with various legal and ethical issues that may arise from their work such as privacy, consent, defamation, censorship, plagiarism. Um, they have to respect the rights and interests of other people who are involved in or affected by their work such as subjects, models, clients, collaborators. They also need to comply with laws and regulations of different countries. We are talking about Nigerian case now, but then we're looking at the server um tests under the u.s jurisdiction now this may what i listed as some of the main main challenges that photographers face in their profession however there are also many other opportunities and solutions that can help them overcome these issues which i would list out towards the end of this conversation I, I appreciate I appreciate your your angle of advice because it's it's more it's more of a it's more of a kind of you're 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 actually giving an advice you're just saying okay do your due diligence do this <laughs> I'm, I'm more yeah. interested the lost then He's laughing at a, a, a small woman. It's all good. It's all good. So let's hear what you're interested in. No, I'm <laughs> I'm interested in the damages that come out of this suit. <laughs> nah, the damages, you know, the damages is something else that's really interesting. So um, <laughs> Patrick is asking for fifty million, while Wakan now is asking for how much was that again? Hundred million, so like yeah, hundred million, hundred million yeah. for ma making defamatory statements. Mm. I mean, seriously, 
is, was, mm. is it really a defamatory statement if a copyright owner can prove that on this day, at this time, I saw this moment and I took a picture of it. And of mm. all the, the creative expression, independent creative process or works out there, is that particular one that caught your fancy? Why didn't you look for some other spot in Anambra or Indonesia? Monetary compensation, injunction, account of profits, um, and there are certain things that the court will now consider. Um, was it for commercial purpose? Well, obviously, this, this was for commercial purpose. Yes, yes, exactly. Very obvious. Uh, <laughs> a business doesn't get to make money. You know, who doesn't know what can now? <laughs> so, what, what happened now? Ah, yes. <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, the case, the case is very um, straightforward. Again, what I, I would also consider would be um, protective measures as provided under the new act that that a copyright owner can actually um, rely on. So, someone like Patrick who alluded that he went to deposit a copy of the photograph with the Nigerian Copyright Commission. I mean, he has done the the first thing that every copyright owner is expected to do. But now, under the new copyright act, you have protective measures where you put in um, technological protective measures to make sure that a third party cannot assess your work and without having to do something illegal. You know, so if you're not going to ask for damage, you're not include that, oh, I took the step of including these technological protective measures so that someone cannot infringe on my work. And you see that this person went as far as doing X to be able to okay. get access to my work, to, to oh, wow. it, and now he's now hiding. Oh, wow. That's, that's very, that's, that's very, very interesting. interesting. So, you know, you have to learn how to do your evaluation. Yeah. So, this is how much it cost me, and this is what I would have earned if this person had come to me to, you know, get my consent, written consent, want to use my image or photograph mm-hmm. for their social media ad campaign. And again, like I said, the, co- the new copyright ads, it, it, I mean, they've done a fantastic job. The drafters did a fantastic job. We're going to give them their credit. Uh, because prior to now, we never had anything like measures. You don't have to take down um, proceeding. So you, you have more remedies for you when you're going to be asking the court for damages. I mean, you do your C's and the C's, you go to court, file your proceedings, make your demands. So take down proceedings is another way that you can actually make money from. You know, you report the image or the advert saying this person has a copyrighted work, uh, um, includes the, the relevant documents and file. And let the internet service providers do their bidding. So the conversation will now be between you, the internet service providers, and Wakanda. So, so, so you get what I'm saying? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So you know, 
the court will only step in when it's necessary or the copyright commission, I think, I have to look at that act again, uh, will not step in where they need to you know, step in to do their job as from the administrative level. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting case for that photographers and companies, corporate bodies should really pay attention to. Um, that is if parties don't end up settling um, out of court, which will not mean that we are probably going to be in the dark as to the terms of settlement. But then, what I like mm -hmm. about this is that IP owners are, are, are now being proactive in terms of enforcing their rights. So everyone mm. knows, oh, if this person uses my work. I mean, social media caller can do a whole lot um, that the court cannot do for you. But then the court is the one that has like the final say a precedent that you can use years and years and years you know which will not take me down to our second case which is the daily sun girls um story i mean seven years later after asking for about 750 million they only awarded 5.5 so you know this is where the damages conversation starts again mm. uh, and, and you're asking yourself okay where, where did I go wrong? What did I do? Was I not able to convince the court? Why could couldn't the court grant me my request of um the seven fifty million I'm asking for or the fifty million I'm asking for or the hundred million? Mm. It's a lot of work, you know, because yeah. you have to try and prove why you really deserve that. And yeah. as they say, lawyers don't like maths, but then certain disputes will require that you have to put on your 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 maths mathematical thinking cap and do you know do your valuation and come up with a proper proper um sum that you feel is deserving the copyright owner which is the same thing that the court will consider because you also need to show and prove to the cost that okay you put this side by side after doing the, the, the copyright body themselves do not appreciate um, what's intellectual property being does for a copyright owner and you don't have to figure out whether they have like a good um, IP policy? Um, do they have a legal department that would probably guide them in the event of a dispute? And if they do not, what are your alternatives in that instance? So proving damage is one thing. You know, some jurisdictions have like a formula that everyone uses. I know what the law talking about compensation for that the Nigerian Copyright Commission will determine how that will be evaluated. The copyright owner will get their stipend after you know, you've done all the plus minus, etc. etc. Um, I'm trying to hmm. hold on. Interesting, very interesting. I think, I think, I think, um, um, in making or in substantiating copyright claims and claiming for huge amount of damages, I think, I think people should, or lawyers, lawyers should, should put into consideration, you know, how to actually determine damages and how to draw up all those big, big budgets. Yeah, because I'm just reading, going through the, the, um, that's the Sun, that and the Sun case and Daily Sun case. And 
I'm just <laughs> it's, it's, it looks very funny to see how they just came up with 750 million naira. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so you know when you're thinking about damages, you have to take into consideration several factors, and I think um, the council in that matter is someone I know. They probably would have done a good IP valuation. So it's, I mean, probably um, the lady Temitope had sent a season and season and is like intimating that okay, this thing you're doing is wrong. Let's come back to the drawing table, and you're being stubborn about it. Which is where mm. conversation on um, IP tips for for newspapers and magazines will come in. Um, how they can protect themselves from copyright infringement, you know, such as mm. um, you know, seeking legal advice and assistance. Um, or maybe even ADR. Yeah, discuss and license of the picture that they use. Um, always crediting the original author, obtaining written permission. Um, respecting the moral rights of the owner of the, the picture in question, which is something I mean, when I was reading the case as well, I saw I saw that written there that um the arguments on moral rights and okay, this is fine because the new copyright act makes provisions for moral rights, which wasn't extensively provided for before. Now the new copyright act provides that you cannot transfer moral rights only. Um, upon the death of the copyright owner that it goes to the heirs or successors in title. Um, mm. um, and then it elapses once the term of the copyright also elapses. That means the, the term of duration for protection has terminated and has gone into the public domain. That wasn't stated before. Same way you see yeah. contracts that people are asking yeah. for rights in perpetuity. Now it's no longer in perpetuity. As the copyright ends, so does both economic and moral rights, you know, ends. I know that moral rights seeks to protect the reputation and honor that a copyright owner enjoys. And in this instance, you're talking about the person's image, how do people see her when, okay, you open, there's a citation for the publication of the newspaper, 2016, something, something, something. And you see that, oh, there's this lady, a picture is a song girl. How was she looking? The people think that oh she was paid as a model to to be the song girl was there a release consent form all of this conversation kind of reminds me of the Adelaide case where her photograph was also used during the presidential campaign by the um, what's his name uh, oh, Atiku campaign and she also won I mean so people people thought oh because of I saw her picture she looked very poor like she was suffering emotional damage, all of those things. Now everybody's talking about therapy. I mean, people are being more more proactive or open or welcoming towards therapy. So does she have to go through all of that? You know, so that will also be considered when you're doing your evaluation on your damages at the end of the day. Take into mm-hmm. consideration all of those factors um, and also the economy. I mean, we're in a different time right now. So five point five now after 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 seven years, is it good enough? I mean, you know, the sum as well, the the, the claim they were asking for seven fifty was a lot, but at the end of the day, um, it's all about how you were able to persuade the court to see reason with you that you really deserve 
750. Mm. But then again, mm. it's a good step in the right direction because now the courts, um, what's the word now? It's going to use. Um, it's still a win for for the lady. But then it also reminds me of the Banin race case where her photograph was also used without her consent, but the court stated that she did not own the copyright. So it's a bit complicated. It's all about show and proof. What are you presenting before the courts that the courts will give judgment in your favor? Um, hmm. Interesting. So, um, so what are your thoughts? I mean, you said you, you've looked at the case. What are your thoughts uh, with regards okay. to the case? Apart from the damage aspect, is is a clear is a clear case of um of them data breach of breach of privacy yeah that breach of privacy and we, because the photograph wasn't used by wasn't used obtaining her consent and approval so but <clears throat> one question I would like to ask is. If take for instance, um, does it matter that your picture was being used and it projects you in a good light? Define does good it... light. So you're not you're not going to be adding plenty issues. Define good light. I think the main issue is um, with regards to. Um, so if you're looking at those kind of disputes, you, you consider the use and not the creative use. How was the photograph or the image used? And you know that okay. for a copyright owner, they rely solely on the exclusive rights to control how they can reproduce, publish, distribute, communicate, adapt, translate a copyrighted work in question. So get. Yeah. They want to have some sort of degree of control. So if I cannot control how someone uses uses my image, good or bad, the bad part is where the moral right comes into play because you are protesting against any form of mutilation, distortion, modification of your image or photograph because it's going to cause harm and reputation. That is where the damage now comes in. How much harm or damage was done to you? Do the math. So the cost will be like, ah, 750 is not, it's not reasonable. 5.5 is what we think is reasonable enough for you as the copyright owner at the end of the day. You know? Then the use again will also determine it was it for commercial purpose. The, the daily sum make money from having you as a son girl. You know, you take that into consideration as well, which will also make me talk about a little bit about the Andy Warhol case, which has been going on for a while now, where the photographer had initially licensed to the Andy Warhol Foundation, and then when Prince died, they decided to reuse the photograph. I mean, license was got in 1985, and you're coming mm -hmm. in 2001 to, so, you know, there was no uh, renegotiation or or communication between parties, and. As the Supreme Court recently held, they have said that Andy Warhol actually infringed on Lynn Goldsmith's photograph of Prince. So you see that from the three cases, there's 
a middle ground that we're talking about photographs at the end of the day. Who owns the photograph? Is it an individual, in this case, or the person that was commissioned to take it? Um, what is the degree of control? Um, what are the available commercialization model that the copyright owner can explore, which is where um, they get to control how it's being monetized and exploited? If it's exploited for good, at least let's see, let's, let's see the economic right that you, you get to generate at the end of the day. Okay. If it's for bad, the moral rights questions will come into place. Um, you know, uh, and again, like I said, the moral rights provisions under the new act is a good, welcome and good development. The protective technological measures as well, and also the takedown proceedings as well so for photographers i mean you have more options right now and also for copyright owners you also have more options for enforcing your right nothing like oh we don't have the laws now we have the laws we're not going to be comparing uh jurisdiction with foreign jurisdiction because they have their own issues they're dealing with you know ai generated um images um mm. last year it was nfts now we're talking big data large language models and generative work, that's where they are. You know, we were still battling who oh, it took my photograph that includes the Zikrand about the Opala Youth Festival <laughs> and this. You know, so uh, our cases are very peculiar and we have to focus on those things and, and stop comparing. We also need to have our own standard at the end of the day when we are, you know, trying to create ways to resolve these disputes. So you decide to, so you have three modes. I, I always say you have three modes of resolving. You have the administrative mode, which is um, involving the IP body or the IP registry at mm -hmm. whatever stage. And then mm -hmm. you have the court, if you want to appeal the decisions of the administrative body. Then you mm -hmm. have out-of-court settlements and or online dispute, um, online dispute resolution mechanism. Now, people are, are, are having proceedings, both litigation and ADR proceedings um, yes, online. in the yeah. metaverse. Now um online you know what are the, the guidelines that have been put in place to ensure that even while you're trying to resolve your dispute your privacy is considered um mm. are there going to be ip issues that will arise from that no one can really tell but then um i think i, I think i'll say for me in summary and closing is that we need to have like a broader or interpretation of what of what boundaries of copyright infringement really entails in Nigeria, whether it's for photos, image, sound, music, literary, artistic, or whatever form of eligible work. I mean, the, the law clearly defines what qualifies as eligible work. So someone going out of the purview of the law to state that, oh, our defense is going to be that um, your work is not... What do you mean? Which part of the work? Is it the expression of the photograph that you're referring to? or this big roundabout, which you claim, or you state, and I mean, rightly so, that is a state symbol, you know? So, but, but that's it anyway for me. Yes, let, let's hear from you and then we'll wrap it up. Um, for me on that daily song case, is just a clear, for me, it's a clear case already. There's really not much to talk about there. 
I think the more interesting one is the is your favorite. That's the um, on the Warhol. <laughs> and the Warhol. Remember so, when so I told you and the so Warhol featured in the Zeke Brad Abbott is not interesting. Eh? It's, it's very interesting and I hope that case goes to court. I don't want them to settle out of court. <laughs> ah, photographer. God, I have mercy. Yeah. Yes, yes. I would, I would. Because I, I really love, I love court proceedings because they actually, they develop the law. They develop the law. They clear all these ambiguities in statutes. So that's why I really okay. want that case to go on. Yes, I want that case to go on. And again, take for instance, if I take a picture of Sinubu, who is the president of Federal Republic of Nigeria, oh. do I own copyright in that picture? Considering that Sinubu represents, he, he occupies the office as the president of Nigeria. And, you know, he is, he is recognized internationally as, you know, representing Nigeria. When you see Tinubu, you see Nigeria. So do you think so, a picture I, of... If you're not going to dissect that, Nambi, are you going to focus on your expression of what you saw when you were capturing Tinubu or um, President Tinubu as an individual or as a representative of the Nigerian... Nigeria as a country, you know? Well, that that is that is more factual than I <laughs> than I expected. But um... uh, please give us your 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 expert views right now. We want to learn from from the from the spring. No, I I did not say experts. I... <laughs> I don't say experts. I don't say experts uh, view. I was just I was just thinking that. If it would be considered what I saw, take for instance, uh, during the swearing in of Tinubu, I take a picture of him. Yeah. And I saw how he was being sworn in as the president. Uh, yeah. Or maybe there's, there's a particular ceremony where Tinubu attended and he was dressed like, you know, the GCFR, the Grand Commander of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. And I take a picture of him. And yeah. So as Tinubu himself, does it does he does he does he come under an official state symbol? Ah Tinubu act. You're pushing you're pushing the interpretation of official state symbol. Well that's why it's that's why it is a it's a subject of interpretation because you say official state symbols. Now, would, would the interpretation of official state symbols be limited to those inanimate objects of flags, coat of arms, banknotes? Sinubu, as the president of Nigeria, is he not an official state symbol? Yeah, you, have a, you have a strong argument. You have a strong argument. So, so I, well, that, that's just an aside. It's an aside. The thoughts came. Because we're looking at official interpretation of official state symbols. The governor of a state yeah. should be an official state symbol because he represents the state. Yes. Same way the flag represents the state. You know, the flag of that state represents the state. The president or, or the governor represents the state as well. But drawing okay. um, during it, during it stretching, out, stretching it now to include places like the Zikran about, it won't fly. It won't fly. 
Não fly. Então... Dá que dá que esse sete Sete milhões. Milhões aí. Well, I still like to see what the photographer would argue. I still like to see what they argue in court. So on okay. all case. Yeah. And the Warhol. Okay. For me, these cases that these cases are kind of straightforward because it's just easy to show that I'm the photographer who made this original work, and another person has been contracted to, you know, make make works that are yeah make works. Uh, could we say derivative works in this case? You know, because it was. It was Lynn's Goldsmith's original pictures of Prince that yeah. and the Warhol silk screens of so but then the fact that you make a, a derivative work it doesn't still absolve you of liability because the use if the use is not one of a fair nature in the sense that you're not you're using you're not using it for parody for criticism. But rather, you were using it under a com. It was a commissioned work. In fact, you were given, yes. Mm -hmm. So, which was actually used for commercial purposes. So, mm -hmm. those kind of reproductions are clearly copyright infringements because you did not obtain the license, you did not obtain the approval of the original owner of the work. So, it's just a simple, it's a simple case, and again. The fact that Lingosmith gave license to Vanity Fair in 1984 and that license was used, we could now see that the, we could now see the operative nature of licenses. Do licenses operate in you know, do they run, do they run, how do I put it now? Do those licenses run in concurrence with the existing copyrights or intellectual property rights of the owner, or they operate on a one-off basis? So we will see how these licenses they operate. Because take for instance, if Vanity Fair was given a license in 1984, and assuming that license was still operative. Vanity Fair now commissioned a third party to make reproductions of that photograph that they were giving license over. So what, what do you what, what do you think? Would that license be a defense reproductions made from the original work? Or... I would say no because I mean you have to now look at what the terms of the license date is there provision for you to sub license to a third party if yes what are the preconditions that you have to meet before doing that so you know everything ties back to the documentation what was initially agreed it wasn't agreed with the consent of the the photographer who is the copyright owner then you are infringing and just like the the supreme court had concluded in that case they agreed with um, Lynn goes knew that and the Warhol's estate actually infringed on her copyright. I think when they were in, on appeal, the court also took um, 
they, they also consider the four factor test, which we now have under our, our new law. It wasn't expressly stated before, but now it has been expressly stated under the new act. That these are the conditions that you need to, the, the, the four conditions you need to, to, to verify to determine whether a work was used for commercial purpose or for non-commercial purpose. You know, the nature of the work, the extent of the work, can't remember the other two now. So, yeah, the contract will determine what happens um, okay. going forward. Yeah. And then, you know, again, under our Copyright Act, the law states that any exclusive license must be in writing. So, a written license yeah, yeah. between the photographer and the, and the Warhol um, estate will determine the relationship they have, the terms and conditions of licensing the prince's photograph, which was in dispute, how it will be used, what it can be used for, the jurisdiction, you know, all of those things uh, will be taken into consideration. So you want to pay a homage. Okay. Ah, I'm rich. It's, it's like the, um, what's this? There's this footballer that died. Something Diego, yeah. He, they were, it is a fashion brand. I, I think I talked about it also in my podcast and on Twitter. This fashion brand, DNG, it should be DNG. They wanted to pay homage to um, Diego. You know, they use his football famous number and his name, and they stated, puts the, 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 the clothes on the runway, stating that they were paying homage. Okay, you want to pay homage to me without telling me. I just let my head swear small now. Come that day, I, I can't even follow them walk the wrong way. But no, you know, they went ahead to do that and he sued them and I think he got almost 11,000 euros that year or more. Can't remember now. But then that's, that's like, you know, everything now boils down to, like I was saying, there's always a, a meeting point in all these cases. There's an image issue, there's a photograph issue, there's a, the creative expression issue, there's the issue of, um, use and um, the exclusive rights that the law gives a copyright owner to be able to commercialize and exploit their creativity that's already been put in a fixed or tangible format. I hope that makes sense or I answered your question. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So it's been an interesting conversation so far with you, Abam. I don't know if you have any final or closing words regarding photographs, mm. copyright boundaries, or copyright infringement, and your, you know, final words on your favorite record. I think you're itching for it to go to court. But then, <laughs> let, let's hear, let's hear you say something. Okay. Um, I would, I would just like to sensitize, or rather, encourage photographers like myself to be more proactive. You know, and they should they should they should cultivate the habit of of complying legally when it comes to protecting their images and their intellectual property rights. They shouldn't sleep. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on your rights at all because any day, any time, someone could just make millions of your work, and you just remain where you are. Yes, yes, billions, billions, because I love to dream big, so <laughs> billions. <laughs> yeah, so 
he could just he could do anything at all and and you know just keep your works you, you don't know how your your works are so valuable when i looked at the, the photograph of that wakana that photographer the photograph was taken with a mobile phone it wasn't a digital camera in fact professionally he did not edit that picture to like a professional standard you can't compare mm. it to what those no i'm, I'm sorry i'm saying this. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm saying this, but... So there's a difference between taking pictures and photographs and taking with the likes of Sony and the rest of them. Of course, of course, of course. Because mm. all, all of that could actually be assessed in you claiming for damages. Yes. Mm. Because when you take pictures with your camera, it would require you more time and process for you to, you know, finish with the work. In fact, even at the point of taking the picture, you're going to spend so much time and all that. So there's a huge difference. So there's a huge difference. Ackman states that it doesn't matter the quality of your work. So far as as long as it's in a, in a you expressed it in a tangible or fixed format, hmm. the quality really doesn't matter. Okay, that's that, that's that's interesting for the lot to. You know, make that. <laughs> but as, make a, that, as, uh, as, as a photographer, your view. And yes, I, I was speaking. I was speaking as a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, actually, saying that, as as long as your work is fixated, is sufficient. It doesn't matter the adequacy of your work. Fine, fine, fine. Well, my point is just that photographers should be proactive. They should always look out for people who would want to rip them. Because there are rippers everywhere. <laughs> there are rippers oh, everywhere. There are rippers, yeah. rippers everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Okay. Thank you for your closing. And thank you for engaging us. I mean, it's, it's a pleasure speaking with the God's eye himself. Uh, I hope you had a good time. Yes. Yes. I've taken so much time from corporate law. <laughs> I have to pay pay back. <laughs> Thank you for coming on IP Spirits and do enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Just like Abba, my closing word would be as a photographer, educate yourself and sensitize yourself on intellectual property rights take ip protection and enforcement seriously you can also seek legal actions in court or explore alternative dispute resolution where necessary also licensing and contracts are very important and don't be scared of embracing new techniques and technology uh, where the needs arise for you to showcase your work it doesn't matter the quality as well now if you enjoyed listening to this episode and you learned something new if you have any questions or comments please feel free to email us at ipseriesinfo at gmail.com until next time ip friends keep fighting for your rights and revenues as a photographer this is rita and signing out <laughs>